This is uh, the podcast where we talk about the things that give us brown pants, the things that make us very excited, uh, starting off with, with a link with Firefly. They had coats and pants, I think. Wow, that was a terrible opening to a podcast, Matt. <laughs> yes, my name's Matt. You didn't introduce yourself. I'm Luke. Yes. Um, I've podcasted before. Matt, as you may have guessed, has not. Mm. No, I'm a music maker, but uh, I'm also a ranter, so we're here to rant a bit, and today we're going to rant kind of the first episode of Firefly, which is Serenity's Parts 1 and 2, but not quite the real first episode. Yeah, this is the feature-length Firefly episode Serenity, but not the feature-length Firefly film Serenity. Mm. And in its original TV showing, this one was shown last. Heard that <laughs> the train job was the actual pilot. I, I didn't know this one was last. No, no, um, this was the pilot. Um, I don't, maybe it's too long. I don't know exactly. Maybe it wasn't funny enough. Uh, the train job was a second pilot, so mm. it was Star Trek style. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I knew that. You know, you got the cage, and then you have the, the other one. So um, the, the funny thing here is they actually bothered to introduce the characters, and you don't see this until December. This episode uh, aired, I, I got the actual date here somewhere. Uh, this aired December 20th, 2002, whereas the show debuted in September. Okay. That's insane. So... My history of Firefly was, I think I actually watched Serenity before I watched any of the show. Uh, this was back when I had an uncle who would give me um, entirely legally obtained DVDs to watch. Ah. And this was, oh, it's a sci-fi film with spaceships, I'll enjoy that. My and then I later went back and watched the show on disc, so it was all in, you know, the director's intended order. I don't have the cool version of the history. I didn't watch it on air. Um, for me, when it was on air, I was teaching outdoors. So I was actually living in a shack in Maine. So I wasn't watching much TV at the time. Uh, when the DVDs came out, I got them. Uh, that's still when, you, oh, I can get this whole TV show on DVD. That's awesome. I watched it. I enjoyed it. So I was pumped up when the uh, Serenity movie came around. Uh, the DVDs themselves, I don't remember what order it is. I don't remember if I watched these in broadcast order or the proper one. The one I've got, it definitely puts this one at the start. Yeah, but let's get to talking about This is a Joss Wheaton fest, uh, written by Joss Wheaton, directed by Joss Wheaton. Even the theme tune is written by Joss Wheaton. Performed by Sonny Rhodes. Uh, executive producers Joss Wheaton and Tim Minar, whoever that is. Uh, but yeah, this I, I think this is the first thing after Buffy, isn't it? Uh, it depends if you count Angel. That's still Buffy. Okay. Um, yeah, so for <laughs> me, I, I was aware of... So you said you were teaching when this first aired. I was 12. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I was aware of Buffy, but I didn't watch it or anything. Honestly, I've, I've never watched Buffy. Um, when I was 12, I saw the movie, which I think he still wrote the script mm. to. Uh, with, he, I with, think, yeah, he wrote the script, but hated how it came out. That was a big return of Pee Wee Herman, um, and I didn't like it, so a couple of years later, 
I, I, I might like it now if I watch it. I don't know. I haven't seen it since 1992 or whatever it was. I can't imagine it's aged spectacularly well on Monster of the Week TV show from the 90s. No, probably with not. With Joss Whedon trying to pretend he's a feminist. Uh, yeah, Firefly's aged a little better, and hence we are here talking about it. Um, let's see. Do we have any anything else? Oh, uh, just some fun... Another fun fact, there's a scene when we first see our companion, Anara's shuttle. Uh, and apparently, if you look to the left-hand side of Serenity, you can see a Star Wars Imperial shuttle taking off, which is the same one from Return of the Jedi. Oh, that's fun. I didn't spot that. I didn't either. I have to look at our um, Serenity database to even figure that one out. In 2511, Sergeant Malcolm Mao Reynolds and Corporal Zoe Aline fight in the Battle of Serenity Valley during the Unification War. Without air support, their side is eventually defeated by the Alliance. Now, I, I've got a note here um, that with the story, the first lines of dialogue are apparently ARG and pew pew pew. Yep, that sounds about right. So. Um, most of what I just read is not given to the audience in the episode. No. It's just oh, they are fighting a generic sci fi war. Yeah, I actually, it looks like a uh, cut-rate Starship Troopers up in here. Uh, the vibe I got was like the future scenes from the first Terminator. That fits too, but yes. yeah, I guess that's the sci-fi trope. Uh, you know, this it's the same, maybe they got the same production minds behind all the stuff. Oh yeah, it's it looks like modern war, but the guns shoot lasers. There we go. <laughs> I did write, I, I had not remembered our characters' names yet, so I got like a Philons in command here. I and definitely remembered Mao. That's about it. No, I forgot that. I have Simmer <laughs> sex looks with Philan and his not lady. They can, we all know she, she's up with uh, Wash, right? But yeah, they, they, yeah. they have a few looks at this moment, so that, that had me wondering a bit. Well, well, you know, they got some history. And all the ladies, they love Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Apparently. But I know when they, they go and make their final charge or whatever, uh, they pull out Halo Gun 1.0, just looking for those other little tropes showing up here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the effects looked okay. Until the bit where he shot down the spaceship that had flown straight off a of PS2. Yeah, no, I have the uh, two, 2002 effect shot with the green things. Yeah. That's when we got all the green things. There was <laughs> lots of generic green things. And then, what, about five, six years later, it was the, the orange and blue things. Oh, yeah, orange and teal. Everything's orange and teal. Right, so we're, this is green and brown that I we're looking at. I guess this is post-Matrix, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where we get green. Green runs for a while. Uh, Matrix Revolutions makes everyone to... Want to run away from green things. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Then Transformers comes out and everything's tanned, tanned young bodies and blue skies. Not, not to jump our timeline too much, but Serenity's pretty... The movie, not this episode. Serenity, the movie, is pretty uh, orange and blue, if I remember. Right. Okay, I haven't seen it in a long ass time. But anyway, this, this battle scene is uh, very green, and now we're gonna jump on ahead to six years later. I will say about the battle scene, um, I didn't notice but apparently there's a shot of him, like, he has a crucifix around his neck and he, like, kisses it. So you meant to think, like, oh, he's a religious man. So later when he's all the generic atheist. Oh, and digging into his shepherd. Okay, all I know is, anyway, we're going we're gonna to jump ahead here to six, six years later, which is one more than the, the recent Avengers Endgame with the shocking jump of five years later. We're going to go six for you. Yep, and now Mal is the captain of his own transport ship. Um... Apparently it's in a Firefly-class vessel named Serenity. Of course, we don't learn that straight away. Um, people who write wikis don't know how storytelling works. Um, but yeah, they're 
doing some sneaky, sneaky salvage, stealing some things from a dead spaceship. We're, we're getting our And then a Star Destroyer turns up. I did not recall Jane's stash. Uh, it looks very porny, uh, but I think it does give straight to the audience that this indeed is a Baldwin. Uh, he's not actually related to the Baldwins. Are you serious? Yeah. I've been going for years assuming he was a Baldwin. Same. He is a ba his name is Baldwin, but he's not related to the Baldwins. Oh my god. You just blew my mind, dude. Okay, so there, that is, that, there's some trivia I certainly didn't know. I mean, I've got other things I want to say about him, but I'll save it in case they ever become relevant. We'll get to some. Otherwise, he has some <laughs> more recent exploits I should know about. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's been in other stuff. He's in, like, Independence Day. Uh, he's just a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah, I, I did get straight into here. I remember at the time, uh, Kaylee gave me, gave me a, a stiffy, as I wrote, but that yellow print shirt is murder. Um, I do recall having a distinct uh, movie star crush at the time, uh, a year after the show originally aired, probably, because that's when I would have watched it. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Kaylee is definitely the kind of type that I always fancied. And uh, for the first five or ten minutes, I couldn't quite... They hadn't said her name, or not too many times, and all I could think of was, was Jewel. Yeah, she's one of... It's the weird situation where her real name sounds more like a made-up sci-fi character than her, her in-series name. Mm. So I couldn't remember which one was which. Right. Moving along, we got the Alliance here. Um... And I, I, I think we have the dino toys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got Wash that playing with dinosaurs. This is my first. Spaceship. I, I kind of wonder if Joss Wheaton was actually making a bunch of uh, Spaceballs references in the show, because that's, that's Dark Helmet's move. Huh. I guess so. <laughs> and we're going to get back to that. The, the Alliance ship itself looks like a Borg ship from yes. Star Trek. Um, but the bridge looks like Spaceballs. So... We I, got there. Apparently, I am not as familiar with Spaceballs as you Okay, <laughs> I was. I wanted to see Rick Moranis on the bridge, but I believe he'd already left the biz by this point. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, they turn up, they're generic, like, uh, space cops, we hate them. It is interesting they don't particularly make them out to be bad guys. Like, the way they get rid of them is giving them a distress call to answer because they are more interested in saving lives than catching criminals, so... Well, this is our, our Federation wearing Spaceballs uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the time you give, like, the, the Big Evil Alliance, the Big Evil Empire, you make them just out and out a bunch of bad guys. Well, I, I know they're going to... This is something they're going to continue going with, where, you know, everyone in this show is in a shade of grey, man. <laughs> well, everyone likes to tell everyone else they're in a shade of grey. Right, right. <laughs> Without necessarily doing anything that morally interesting. Truly, but it's sort of like staying the obvious, I guess, because no one really comes from your purely black or your purely white um, standpoint, which TV up through the 90s pretty much went through. I, I well, guess I that's mean, one thing the show is doing. We'd, in movies, we'd seen it some. Even, even Buffy was like, she is the chosen one who will defeat evil, sort of <laughs> bollocks. So. I think Wheaton gets back to some chosen ones after this, but uh, that's not for the discussion here. So... <laughs> Uh, I have a twirling container. Uh, I think this is their space uh, salvage job. Yeah, yeah, we have some nice zero-gravity stuff and everything. Uh, but I, I guess I wasn't too down with the effects here. I, I liken that to John Carpenter's uh, Dark Star. Have you seen that? I actually haven't. That's one worth looking. It's a John Carpenter's first, first film from the mid-70s. Uh, like, zero budget. Okay. Uh, I think it involves the writers from Alien. Okay. And it's just this absurdist, zero-budget space farce. But, you huh. know, their outside shots are, are kind of crappy. So I'm, I'm not... Uh, I, I know this show does get some good effects going, especially once the movie gets going, we're going to see them. But at this point, they are, um, you know, salvaging dollars, I suppose. But it's, it's serviceable. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It's perfectly serviceable. Awful, but, yeah. 
I do have the Serenity's warp core, whatever we're gonna call that thing, must be a venting bullets. If it has some, their ship is not running well, but that adds to the charm of the whole thing. Yep. Okay. But yeah, they, they, they steal a chest of what you presume is some kind of treasure, <laughs> get back on their spaceship and book it out of there. And now we're on to the theme song. It's better than the Enterprise theme song, but only by maybe a degree and a half. Yeah, I, I was very surprised when I was paying attention and noticed that it was written by Joss Whedon. I just assumed they'd taken a licensed song, like a lot of shows do. I'm making, I'm making the Song Shows podcast, so I guess I can't say anything. <laughs> but, you know, as much as I like this show, the, the country music vibe, the Western thing, it was a little bit of an obstacle. I mean, it is basically sci-fi, but for me, the Western sci-fi mix, while it works fantastically here, just was a little bit of an obstacle for me. It also gets into some weird stuff when you look at the backstory, because it kind of gets into, like, confederacy stuff. Mm. So it just, it just, it's a tone that slightly rubs me the wrong way. See, I can get that one. I'm a, I'm a Georgia boy from, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, where we got wrestling and horses. But, I got uh, no problem with wrestling and horses, but. <laughs> well, I, I guess in that way, I am definitely surrounded by the South Pole Rise Again things growing up. Uh, Atlanta is a bit of an island. Uh, it, it's, it's not quite as uh, Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel is, uh, but hey, I haven't been there for 10 years. <laughs> oh yeah, that's. I've heard you on many times call yourself an Atlantean because you don't want to yes. acknowledge coming from... Yeah, while we're on, on weird stuff, um, once we see these gold bars, they seem to have like Sumerian seal prints or anything. Uh, something like that. I start thinking of the 12th planet. They've got some kind of seal. I didn't look at it that closely. But why look at the seals? Because we, we just got the apathy, like you said. Uh, maybe we got that cross in the first scene, but now we got some apathy. We just get paid. And uh, I wrote the line down. Uh, who, whose mouth do we want to duct tape and throw in the hold? I forgot. Gonna assume it was Jane's? It's her mouth. Must oh. be Kaylee. They... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always saying mean things to Kaylee, but she likes him. <laughs> I love my captain. I have that written down. Yep. But uh, I, wrote, I wrote here, uh, Sarandi has NASA verified mind control tech, MK Awesome. What? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, 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 sometimes I'm just seeing how you react because I don't remember I wrote this. <laughs> I mean, uh, I should also point out that I watched this like three weeks ago as well, so <laughs> we've come into this super well prepared. Well, we're, uh, we're going to get to this more, I know, when um, River shows up because we have lots of weird mind control stuff going on there. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, just, everything I just, gets weird. I just want to start saying up. MK Awesome now, I guess, but... Uh, you know, in our sci-fi, we always have very squeaky clean ships, and, and now we got nice and, and squeaky steps on the ship. Oh uh, yeah, they're definitely going for like your original trilogy Star Wars vibe rather than your But they push it past that. We, we have a giant oak table in the mess hall. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I, I, my first thought seeing that was, how do you even get that in there? <laughs> do you build it in there? Yes. That's it, okay. <laughs> it's slap packed. So now we, we are meeting our, our good friend Alan Tudyk, uh, who is Wash, and he has uh, terrible dirty talk. I don't remember his terrible dirty He's talk, trying to talk dirty like to his lady. He's yeah. trying to talk dirty to his lady. It does not work at all. <laughs> yeah, if you're talking about your classic TV, how did this dude get her couple? <laughs> and now we are meeting the ambassador? Oh, uh, well, we, we, we go down to the planet. They've stolen whatever these gold bars are from this spaceship and now they're going down to a planet um persephone to deliver the item and yeah they meet up with the ambassador she docks her shuttle 
to the Serenity. Well, I, I guess I, I said the, I found his uniform uh, lame. Yep. Looks like a North Korean uniform, which looks like my wife's company's uniforms. Okay. This is Japan, where many companies have uniforms, and the ambassador looks like he's wearing one of them. Uh, the ambassador is not him. She, excuse me, the first time I did write she, because it's a sexy ambassador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She, she is the ambassador, and he's just some dude who's paying Oh, maybe services. it's his uniform, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the ambassador's dude, excuse me. Yeah, this, this is why you're helping me make sense of uh, what I what Yeah, I yeah, before. you've misattributed the term ambassador to him, but... Well, I, I, got, I got her down. She's love him and leave him, Kirk type. So, Filion can stay a family-friendly, scraggly nerf herder. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't get to, to bonk too many people, so, you know, he hasn't sinned. Move, move us on through the plot a little bit here, so I can make sense of my next few thoughts. Okay, so they head on down to, um, your sort of Cockney geezer criminal fence type to try and shift their goods. And this is with the poor Chinese. Oh! Should we talk about the Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> the, the language, man. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> So the show is set in the future, and oh, in the future, the Chinese population is so high that China has, Chinese has become the most common language. So throughout the show, people drop in little, little specks of Mandarin Chinese. Well, I'll just throw them but at you. heaven now. forbid you actually have any Asian actors yeah, given so any roles. I, I know it doesn't sound so good, but uh, there's got to be something. Uh, Bazooey means shut up here, it says. That's, that's cool. Um, man, a lot of this isn't so interesting. They're just saying normal stuff. Yeah. In Chinese, Mandarin yeah, it's Chinese. It's real dumb how they just pepper in these little Chinese phrases. Bazooey, that's the one to know. That means shut up. Bazooey, man. Bazooey. Mmm. Your mama. I wish I'd known that when I was traveling around staying in hostels and the Chinese people would not shut up at night. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now we're going to be introduced to the shepherd, I believe. Uh, well, so yeah, the Mao and Jane go on down to try and sell their wares. I think Zoe goes with them. While... Sorry, Doug landed on me. So I should mention that despite the fact that Matt is a professional museum and knows how to record audio... Museum? Museum. <laughs> Matt is a professional <laughs> musician and knows how to record audio. He decided to make me walk up a mountain and record this uh, sat in a temple. So bugs are landing on me at the moment. It looks just like Totoro, man. It's great. It is a very nice location. <laughs> but if the audio is crap, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we should do this on video, because most people do it on video, and it's like in a doll room with white walls, and we're in this fantastic location. Hey, it's audio only now. <laughs> but trust us, it's real pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll take a picture. Okay, uh, sorry, so, yeah. Shepard. Mao and Jane are selling their wares, while simultaneously Kaylee is trying to find passengers to fly on their ship to make them a few extra bucks. And she meets the shepherd. I would have given him white dreadlocks, like Rasta living. Why oh, do I picture that is what he had? Oh, he has like a stupid Jedi rat tail, right? Yeah, I don't like that. I want, I want white dreadlocks, man. How awesome would that be? That would be a cool look. He's still a pretty cool dude. Yeah, and I, uh, there's an actor here. I just wrote Romo Lampkin. I, I don't know if you know who that is. He was on Battlestar a few years later. Um, as a lawyer, hmm. and I think he eventually becomes president of the colonies in the end, weirdly enough. But anyway, the actor's here. I just noticed that. Um, oh, I recognize him now. He's yeah, he's the he's the guy they're trying to sell the stuff to. Badger. And I, I I apologize. I don't remember his name. It's probably here somewhere. But uh, yeah, I was like, oh, that's Roman Lampkin, and a touch of the ultraviolence, and a bit of a hobo clown suit. Yeah, it's a, a weird, a weird little vibe he's going for. Because he seems like pretty full of himself. Like, oh, I'm a rich gangster. 
But he's, yeah, he's dressed like... Ty, no literally, collar. Literally like Charlie Chaplin as a hobo. Just undershirt and chest hair. Think of what Malcolm McDowell eyeliner would have done for the uh, dude with the bowler. His, yeah, his no, yeah, he would, he would pretty much have looked exactly like Pete Doherty. <laughs> uh, and then I... And he's about as likable. Yeah. It, it probably got a little too late at night. I, I just wrote, I'm a man on the rim, damn. I, everyone in this scene seems to think they're a man on the rim, damn. So, <laughs> it makes sense. I'm not sure specifically who you're referring to. I don't either. Uh, well, I, I, um, yeah, I, I think yeah, that's probably they, Mal. They were reported as being caught scavenging. Not like, their ship was spotted. So now... The, uh, the fence is worried that the goods are not going to be clean mm. and refuses to make the purchase, as originally agreed. Tensions get high, things get heated. Maybe someone's going to shoot someone, but nobody shoots anyone, and they leave. Okay, what's next up, man? Okay, well, I think we're now at the point where everyone's getting on the spaceship and they're getting ready to fly off, am I right? I got a quote here. I want to go out of the universe for a while. We don't just want to fly off, we want to go out of the universe, and that's got to be a trippy scene. That sounds fun. <laughs> I can't remember who said that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but our stash grew into a full-blown hipster goatee I got. Okay, yep. So that scene was filmed at a different point in time to <laughs> <Yeah>. the rest. <laughs> so uh, uh, maybe that's why this was not put up as the first pilot. I don't know, nothing with this episode really rubbed me to the me, wrong way. it really feels like classic pilot stuff. Yeah. Just look, here's all the characters, meet the characters, We're going to do this kind of stuff, let's do it for the first time, this probably won't be the best time, let's go off to our wacky adventures. But it sets everything up fairly well. Um, we do get a bit here with, uh, once they're on the ship, I believe, with the first mention of the Reavers. Yes. Um, that made me think of the X-Men, of course. Okay, yep, yeah, I get that. <laughs> so yeah, now the Ambassador, as we call her, Inara has come and docked and joined the ship. And we've also got, as previously mentioned, the Shepherd. We've got Dobson, who's just, you know, nobody. Um, and I do have the Ambassador Returns under some dodgy CGI here, so just... Oh, and has the ship docks to the other ship? Yeah, eh. would have been nice. Uh, I don't know. This is that time when CGI wasn't quite good enough and nobody wanted to do practical effects anymore. I mean, it's not quite the Babylon 5 school of the CGI. Oh, it's not, not good enough. No, it's, but... <laughs> it's certainly better in Babylon 5. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, it still probably would have looked better if they just used some models. But, uh, I, now, I am watching the Blu-ray of this. I got it a few years ago on one of those nice Black Friday sales. I, I think I shut it off here one night and came back the next night. Okay. Uh, if you're into the Blu-ray, you have to go through, like, 80 intro screens and it never remembers where you were the last time. Oh, fun. I was on the DVD and also I watched it all in one go. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. That's, that's my watching style. This is, this is a commitment for me, man, to watch. But, uh, <laughs> move us along, please. Okay, so yeah, we have everyone meets up, they take off, they're gonna go fly through space. Um, they decide that they're gonna try and flog their goods to a different Ragamuffin named. Is this where the dock shows up? Oh yeah, just yeah, I just said everyone's on the ship now. We got the. Oh, I didn't mention the dock. Yeah, the one who actually is relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't care about the ambassador. We call it the dock. Who at this point is Simon in, Tan. I, I, I'm. There we go. I'm staring at costumes a lot at this point, I guess. And we got Doc on uh, old school dark shadows. Not not Johnny Depp. I'm talking seventies here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I de I definitely got like Victorian era doctor. You know, he just comes and tells you, oh, yeah, you've got a cough, you're going to die. Yeah. But, yeah, they're all here to deliver supplies, is it? They are just traveling for their own reasons. Um, Mao wants to go and sell his goods, so he makes up the fake story 
that they're going to go and deliver medical supplies. Oh, he might have fooled me. I just assumed they are delivering the supplies from Star Trek The Next Generation's Code of Honor episode. No, they are... <laughs> they're going to try and sell the gold bars they stole to the lady whose name I've forgotten. Is this our companion? No, no, no. No, this no, is no. the... That's the ambassador. The ambassador yeah. is the companion. The oh, right, person. right. Sorry. She's soon in my notes. They're going to go sell it to patients. Patients? Like, directly? They say... Well, they, they can't sell it to Badger, so they say, say we're going to go sell it to patients, and they lie to the passengers, oh, we're dropping off supplies. Oh, that's just like pushing stuff on the street, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, patients who apparently shot Mao last time they met, but he's sure it's all fine now. Okay. Uh, I think we're about to meet our, our constant companion, which is a song by Dennis Wilson. Yes, so now Inara comes down and meets everyone else. And... What? She's a hooker? Damn, mofos, I'm whoring today. Okay. That's what I wrote down. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, I, we get a shot of Kaylee's stash box, but all it has is a strawberry in it, which was a little disappointing. Yeah, that was what the, uh, that was what the shepherd gave her to... Way. <laughs> and um, this other feller, um, I, I'm sorry I don't know the actor, so I just keep referring to him as a Gary Cox who played uh, Mike Brady in the Brady Bunch movie. Okay. Because <laughs> he acts like him. It's, I wrote Brady Bunch dad on speed at the table. <laughs> Which one's this? This is the uh, feller who, spoiler alert, is... Oh, okay, Dobson. Going, yes. Yeah. So they missed a trick by including everyone except from him in the opening credits. Mm. So you know that he's either gonna die or that something's going on. But I, yeah, for me, it was, this, is, this is Mike Brady on, the, on point here, on speed. That's how yeah, I felt yeah, about Yeah, yeah, here him. he's just a, a quiet... But I am glad that the ship, that uh, eating well is important, there's nothing processed, they're not replicating, they're cooking, that's nice. I can't cook, by the way, but I do oh, like... I cook, I enjoy cooking. No, I can't cook. I do like enjoy eating food that but is... But yeah, they make him. a point that it's... Uh, it's a novelty. They have a bunch of fresh vegetables and stuff that the shepherd has supplied them with. The crew and their new passengers sat eating dinner at the table. Um, everyone's having a nice time talking about, or basically delivering lots of exposition about what they're all up to in space. And then Jane, channeling the actor's <laughs> true attitudes, I think, <laughs> makes a horrible misogynistic comment. And uh, yeah, there's a bit of a tense argument and he gets told to go and eat in his room, essentially. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, Jane should probably walk away from most tables. Yes. <laughs> he is very entertaining to watch, but boy, is he an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, let's get into our own debauchery and get into the network today. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Josh Whedon writes incredibly strong female characters who he loves to shoot naked scenes of. <laughs> so for no real reason, we get a long scene of the ambassador bathing. We get lots of camera angles that don't quite show you a nipple, but boy, they let you know that some nipples are there. <laughs> and then, I guess we glossed over this earlier, but when uh, the ambassador, the whore, was first introduced to the rest of the killer, rest of the crew, um, Mao tried to make the shepherd uncomfortable by bringing up her whoring ways. Basically just ruined everyone's day, <laughs> made an awkward moment. But here the shepherd comes in, brings us some food, 
Shows that he's not about to try and preach at her and can change her ways or anything. And it's just generally a nice dude. Right, and so we also, this is where we get her sort of, uh, we get her scenery. I mean, in multiple ways. We see her quarters. Mm. <laughs> in multiple ways. Oh, okay. is this the first long scene of people telling us about Mal's character rather than showing it? I believe so. You want to get into that? <laughs> oh, he's a, oh, he's a, he's a rough and tumble guy, but he's got a heart of gold. And we get a lot of scenes of this telling us what a great guy Mal is. We are back to our Brady dad, whose name you already cited. And I forgot, in a lame red shirt. So I mean, I assume we're pretty much getting to the part where he sends a signal, right? That's about right. They discover that a signal has been sent to the Alliance, who are now hot on their heels. There's no um, code of honor here. We find the um, the Doctor has snuck into the cargo bay to check on his big, ominous metal case. <laughs> um, so everyone assumes that it's him who's up to no good, that he's been signaling the Alliance. And then it turns out it's Dobson. Dobson was an undercover cop. Uh, has no interest in Mal, but is in fact chasing the Doctor. Right, and uh, do we have a run-in with Kaylee here? Yeah, well, we have a, everyone, there's a tense standoff, people are getting angry, and then... Because um, my like, note like, is... Like you American cops tend to do, he shoots an unarmed person. <laughs> like you American... Wait a minute, you, you were a law You're officer. <laughs> yeah, we don't have guns. <laughs> I'm just like... So, like American cops they, they, are wont to do, he shoots an unarmed person. I have pieces of you on the floor. Pieces of you? That's a jewel album. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he gets jumpy, he turns around, then he shoots Kaylee. And now she's lying on the floor bleeding out. And here we get the moment where Mal is more than tempted to just hand the doctor over. Uh, but he says, look, I can save Kaylee's life, but I'm only going to do it if you run. Anyway, who likes the Empire or Alliance? Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck the police. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you said you didn't want to use F-bombs. Uh, that's a good one. We all like that one. <laughs> it's a song, man. Okay, so we got Bumblebee. It's fine, you're allowed to say the N-word in songs. <laughs> How about bumblebee dust? Bumblebee? Is this when the, the firefly does the thing that is why it's called a firefly? Yeah. Turns around and its butt lights up. And it... That's bumblebee dust, man. Okay. <laughs> and we're leaving stuff, uh, we're leaving who with Jane now? Uh, so Dobson, oh yeah, so the shepherd busts out some karate and disarms Dobson. Jane has now got him locked up in the hold and everyone else is rushing, rushing Kaylee to the medical room where the doctor's gonna save her life. Oh, and we're getting to the big conclusion of part one, where you and I had no clue where part one and part two had a, a gap until... Yeah, until I looked on Wikipedia, I didn't know where the cliffhanger was, but it kind of makes sense. So, Kaylee, cool. I, I assume it's after Kaylee was stabilized. Mal's like, right, well, let's go find out why he was so willing to risk uh, risk my, my friend's life. Opens up the case, and we see... We see this, this is my note. Bum, 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 bum. Yep, we see we see the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a very long, very deliberately looking at her curved shot. The character who we are then told is supposed to be fifteen years old. Is that the age? Yeah. Ouch. She was fourteen a year ago. He says so. Oh yeah, that that's yeah. That she is not shot how you want to shoot fifteen-year-old girls. No, uh, my note is she's. This is the network speaking, by the way. She's young. Why not get her naked? Which we do right here for our cliffhanger. and that There is absolutely no reason given in plot why she had to be naked curled up in a case. <laughs> it was just a visual that Joss Regan really wanted to It's use. about cryogenics, man. Right, yeah, of course. You can't wear pants in cryogenics. No, you can't. <laughs> Disney's naked right now. I think Planet of the Apes you could. Charlton Heston wasn't up for that. Mm. Mm. Khan 
He was in cryogenics with a suit. Okay, maybe there's no precedence for it, so you might be right about that. Then the Lichen Man, are they naked? I think, maybe? It's been a while since I saw that. Yeah, same. Oh. I'd imagine Stallone would want to show off his guns and stuff. <laughs> but, um, guns and buns. You know, we can assess episodes and think about if it worked or if it didn't, but we're really in the middle of it right now, which is the end of part one, if you're watching it on syndicated TV. Does someone watch syndicated TV still? Does syndicated TV still run Firefly? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it does, you just got to the end of part one of Serenity. So it's been jolly being eaten by bugs up here at the temple. I am itchy. <laughs> <laughs> getting into part two of Serenity, not the movie that you know and love, but the pilot that was not a pilot because it turned out to be the final aired episode. You can't be a TV space opera unless it's confusing which episode comes first. Anyway, uh, to unconfuse you, if you're going to watch Firefly, uh, this one is first. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you probably will just have the first two parts as one big episode. Yeah, we didn't know how to cut them until uh, we checked on Wiki. But uh, again, this episode is a Joss Wheaton full-on production. He wrote it. He directed it. He wrote the theme song. He did not perform it. Last time, we met a band of scavengers, a couple of, led by a couple of ex-soldiers, and they stole some gold bars from a derelict spaceship. They picked up some passengers, and they're on their way to a planet to sell the gold bars. When we find out that one, one of, of the passengers... naked. Oh, well, we get there, yeah. Oh, sorry. One of the passengers is a fed. He's trying to catch the other passenger who is carrying a naked lady around in a big metal case. And uh, here's... I, I mentioned the last one, but here's where, where I want to put forth our, our MK Awesome. We start getting the mind control vibe straight in here because we've got a strange girl in a cube. Yeah, it's... Uh, some weird stuff. I mean, it is, it's a striking image. They open up the case, she's in there, she's all naked. Still weird, still uncomfortable, but you know, I like Summer Glow. Now I had a few other um, fashion thoughts here. I was thinking, you know, with Doc doing his thing, uh, I'd like to retcon, if that works, and, and put in Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood. That would have been gold. Yeah, so it's the same look. Yeah, but the same, the same talk. That's fine. The, the actor is fine in this job. I'm just, uh, when I was watching a scene, that definitely stuck in my head that, man, that, that could be a swap. So uh, from here, we, we, we get our girl and we head to the galley, is it? Yeah, we, yeah, we basically get all the sudden exposition of why he's got a girl in a case and why that he was willing to risk Kaylee's life to... I'm keeping the fashion her. rolling. I'm noting that the uh, galley wall decorations are insane. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I think you put in your notes that you're pretty sure Kaylee put those up. That is correct. <laughs> and we have we have our girl, we've got our doc, we're going to kill a fed. Yeah, well, you know, who wouldn't? <laughs> so yeah, this is where we find out that his sister was a brilliant prodigy and she was taken by the government and put into a special school, which was actually a brainwashing thing. She sent him a coded message that she was in pain. He hatched a scheme to break her out by working with some mercenaries, and that's why he's on the run from the law. And it's also when we find out that she is supposed to be about 15 years old at this point. Woo! 
Um, a little, I guess this is sort of a uh, TV storytelling thing, but we, we've got them all talking all over each other. And I guess that's a Joss Wheaton thing. It didn't happen so much on older school TV. I wrote that neither Captain Kirk nor Picard would have ever let people talk over each other. But we are very busy doing that now. Yeah, we get the same thing in, like, the Avengers and stuff. It's, it's Whedon's whole shtick. He likes doing characters and family, and he is pretty good at that. That's, like, the thing that he does do well. And it does seem like real people having real arguments, but yeah, it can be difficult to follow sometimes. <laughs> and uh, let's get to Dobbs, our, our, our mole on the ship. What's going on with him? So he's locked up in the cargo hold, and Mal sends Jane in to interrogate him. And his new name is Captain Exposition. Yep. We oh. get to hear all about the Alliance, all about what the Doctor was up to stealing this girl. Well, we get his side of the story, he makes it sound much less sinister. Right, I, I, you know, they say you should show rather than tell. Um, granted, the things he's telling are things that would be very difficult to show, uh, especially on a budgeted TV show. I guess that's why we're doing it, but... Uh... Yeah, there's been a lot of show instead of tell in this <laughs> pilot. Even down to, like, the characterization. We're often just told how people are rather than we get to see it. But we got Jane threatening to take an ear which is stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> and yeah, then he basically gives the game away way too easily and Jane doesn't even get to hurt him. But I, I sort of felt this was a uh, sort of prototype, our, our bargain, bing, uh, bargain, bing, bargain bin Linus from Lost, where I felt like he was sort of to play Jane in a similar way, trying to get him on his side. And I, I wondered if maybe the people that made Lost got an idea from here and sort of played it up a little more. It took me a second to remember which one was Linus. But That's yeah, Michael no, Emerson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's captured, he's always like, oh, I'm not really the bad guy here. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Maybe you'll get answers, you probably won't. Yeah. Anyway, going back, you know, the talk here is reminding me of that, and I'm like, oh, we definitely heard that a few years later. And that this whole exposition fest is interrupted by a certain uh, group of folks. Yes, we get our first proper taste of the Reavers. A Reaver sheep. Reaver ship is approaching. Um, it's got all spikes and stuff on it. It looks like a baddie ship and it sort of slowly trundles past their ship this is when doc should have unbuttoned his vest is if he's going to rock that han solo look keeping the buttons not working yeah well he's not really the han solo is he? he's the stuck up stuffy costume wise he yeah. is if he unbuttons his vest uh yeah we we all know that mal here is a han solo i'm just noting that the costume is uh sort of echoed there yeah i can see that but yeah, we get to, again, we get told a lot of stuff about the Reapers. We don't get to see anything about how they'll kill you and eat you and rape you to death and all this shit. We dodged that bullet now, didn't we? For now, yes. <laughs> but uh, giving that sort of exposition, I was thinking, you know, throw like a David Lynch soundtrack on there. Lost Highway, Twin Peaks, Dark Synths. I feel like they're slowly going back to that now with sci-fis, but in the year 2002, no. It's country twang yeah, back well, then. Get it? Because it's like cowboys, but in space. Do you get it? Do you get how it's like the West, Matt? Do you get it? Do you get what they're going for? Do you get how it's a Western, but it's in space? Do you get it? Because there's a horse? Yeah. Oh. I think someone wears a hat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, we're going to start. I think we see Kaylee again about this point. Is that correct? Uh, I think, yeah, we start getting whacked hit. Whacked out of her brain. She whacked out of her brain, but she's probably going to pull through. She's not dying. I get it. You know, I had all my wisdom teeth taken out at the same time in high school. So I had a week worth of codeine uh, after having them ripped out. I was a photography student. I would go in the dark room and stare at the red lights for several hours. 
This is when Star Wars was re-released. I went to see Return of the Jedi and giggled about the Ewoks for 30 minutes afterwards. So, I get it. It's fun. Yep. I mean, the most I had was... I think it was my wisdom teeth as well, but it didn't get me that high. It got me that high, so I was happy to see the scene. <laughs> so, um, we, we have a, three, a, a free thrust coming up here. Three thrust. Free thrust. Free thrust? Free thrust. Is this offered from the companion? Who offers the free thrust? I don't recall the free thrust. Anyway, it sounded romantic, and I had in my notes someone offers a free thrust somewhere around here. <laughs> is, this, is this around the point where we get the scene where Mal pretends Kaylee's dead? We are coming very close to I that. I feel like that's before they land on the planet and go off, so that must be pretty fun. We're coming close. The next note, and we'll get straight to that, is it's always a fun joke to throw out a fake obituary. I did, I did get a chuckle from this, though, <laughs> in the episode, knowing that he was lying, just, oh, Katie didn't make it. And then immediately cutting to everyone in the other room laughing. <laughs> like... That's mean-spirited, but that's funny. That's, that's a top-quality dick move. <laughs> that's when you yell, I'm a bad man! Nobody knows what it's like to be the bad man. Yow! And now we're getting a calm link coming in. A message coming in from Cowboy Janeway. Yep, this is Patience. She apparently shot now. She is the most generic old broad run the town cowboy <laughs> character ever and yeah they're gonna go down to the planet try and sell her the stuff oh but what if it's a trap it's definitely a trap but it's not a trap if we know it's a trap oh the old stick and then there's a sheave shiv sheave shiv am i oh, saying it wrong yeah, yeah yeah we have a shiv and so yeah well mal jane and zoe are off the ship going to make the deal dobson breaks out and is back on the attack. And can I just rock out, we're on the planet, and Jane is rednecking it good and loud in the desert. Yep, he is in his element, walking around the desert with a big gun. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, oh, I'm rednecking, that doesn't sound right, but um, let, let me go totally off topic. I used to play in a punk band, I was in uh, junior high, high school. Um, and we called, we called up an old friend, we were playing a big show, same stage Bowie played a year or two later. And we're like, come on to our show, man. It's been a few years. We haven't seen you for a while. He had moved to a country part of part of Georgia. Yeah. He's like, I'm too busy. I'm busy rednecking that weekend. <laughs> anyway, that's Jane here. That, that, when, when we talked to him, uh, we, we did touch base with him a few years after that, too. And he, he was rednecking, but he'd, he'd gotten a little groovy with uh, responding. But uh, Jane is rednecking. This is what rednecking is. I'm from the southeast, and this is rednecking. So, yeah, I mean, we get the pretty standard. Oh, they're going to come in here. They're going to have a sniper. You're going to take out the sniper. There might be a shootout. It's it's very cowboy. They're right. Like they're to the point that they're even on horses. There's no spaceships or anything. Yeah, that sharpshooting. We need we needed Reynolds and Daily Plaza when JFK went bye-bye. I still don't fully understand what you mean. <laughs> I don't either. That's why I read it. <laughs> anyway, they're making insane shots. Um, I, I guess they are ex-military, so... Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a veteran soldier, and so is Zoe, and... Jane's whatever Jane is. <laughs> <laughs> but we got Mal saying, hey, we need to walk soft, but hey, why walk soft when you can walk hard? It wasn't funny written down, it's not funny now. I was waiting, I was just waiting for a response. <laughs> There's a big silence there. But uh <laughs> And now we are getting into beating men of the cloth with um oh Yeah, Dobson back on the Thank you. Beats up the shepherd, goes to arrest the doctor and Still want to call her Summer. What's her name? River. <laughs> River. 
River. Yes, okay. Summer River. Both equally ridiculous names. Summer River. You could make that a name of its own. It's cool. Well, that's my name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's got... He's got one of them at gunpoint, and then there's a scuffle, and he's got the other one at gunpoint, and it's all very tense and very... I don't know, it's kind of boring. Yeah. We get, we're back on the planet. We, we have, like, cliche Western guys, because this is a sci-fi Western, if you didn't notice already. It's a sci-fi Western, is it? Uh, or, or, as Fox tried to push it, a action comedy. I mean, occasionally there's banter. Well, I guess the reason we get to this is because it's its own thing, and it's hard to... There are no genres, man. You told me that. It's true, it's true. There are no genres. Free your mind. <laughs> but I don't like these guys. I, I don't like yeah, Westerns that much. very... I, occasionally, I can enjoy a Western if it really goes hard into just... I'm a badass Clint Eastwood and dumb lines and... But here's a cliche. Please deal with this cliche. We also find that uh, Jane's redneck camouflage is extremely effective because he's very clearly lying in the middle of a field and they don't notice him. Yeah, well, he's lying where that guy was lying, so I guess they just can't tell the difference. Oh, that's him. Okay, maybe the redneck camo is a bad bad choice then, you know? Because he goes and takes out that dude and takes his place, right? Yeah. And now they're, they're trading... They're, uh, what, what are they trading here? Like, food? It looks like something you'd have with yeah, Snowpiercer, like Soylent of, Green, made yeah, out of people. Sorry, I was talking over you there. <laughs> they do that as like a big twist, like, oh, it wasn't gold-plated latinum, it was it was protein packs to feed this colony world, which I guess was a, a fun little twist. And it makes sense that in the future, like, traditional, like, minerals are not that valuable, but edible food is. Yeah, we'll see where water is a few years in this uh, real-life Earth. But, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go back up to the ship and try to hostage a Terminator. Yeah, well... Well, by the time we get to the movie, she is playing the Terminator in this. <laughs> but here, like, she's obviously, like, a super genius or whatever, but she's never shown as, like, dangerous. Now, we're, we're, we're watching this in real time. Neither you nor I have watched this for a while. I feel like she busts out a few moves during the show. Yeah, I don't... Re I recall it being ridiculously over the top in the film. It's ridiculously over the top in the film, I, but that also kind of makes it more awesome, which we'll talk about when we get there. Oh, but, I, I enjoyed the stuff in the film, don't get me wrong, but... Um, I, I remember um, just, you know, I watched Firefly, I loved it. I, I went to see Serenity, and since then, I felt, oh, well, Firefly was the prologue to Serenity. So th this is our deep dive into watching an actual show that uh, should probably be more than just a prologue. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So, but yeah, at this point, she's just a confused little teenage girl who's literally just come out of being frozen. So probably pretty easy to take hostage. <laughs> but, you know, we all start, we all stop thinking, we start reckoning at some point. You reckon? Is that a line from Summit? You reckon? I always reckon, but Let's what reckon. Am I reckon? We're gonna reckon. What are we gonna do? Well, I reckon we're gonna go back to the stuff on the planet and have our classic boring cowboy shootout. We got Wash worrying his brains out first. <laughs> He's not a badass soldier guy like Zoe and. No, and that, that is something I like about the show. Usually it's like, oh, the whole crew is in the war and now they're doing this. But in, in the case of the Serenity, uh, about half of them are these people and half of them just came from random places. Well, yeah, it's an engineer and a pilot and some passengers. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's a nice dynamic. Yes, so I, I do think that's a plus because uh, we usually stay pretty black and white on this kind of show, especially sci-fi, especially a little genre. Yeah, yeah, you look at something like Star Trek, it's a crew of professionals. They're all they're trained. This is their job. Even uh, with Voyagers, like, well, yeah, they're they're from this terrorist group, but yeah, most of them are Starfleet at some point, too, so oh, yeah, everyone yeah, knows what the, they're doing. Like, I remember watching 
stuff, stuff of Roger not even picking up on that until I rewatched it years later. But now we have people just like who don't know what they're doing and trying to bang on a pipe with a wrench to see if that works. And, and that's that's kind of the fun of the show because let's face it, most people watching the show, not all, but a lot of them probably are into something like Star Trek. So we need a different flavor and that's uh, that helps to define the flavor here. Well, yeah, and if you think about it, like spaceships are really complicated. So most people who own one aren't really going to understand them. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to the plan with that boring gunfight you talked about. And, and, and there was I don't the one care. cool moment, and I think we both picked up on the same one. Uh, cool I don't. I rode horse shot. You want to get into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's hiding behind her horse, so Mal just kills the horse and it lands on her. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming right for us. Okay, we're, we're back for some fun. We have just taken out uh, cowboy Janeway and her posse. Yeah, Mouse, oh, he's the honorable guy, so he gets his money, but he leaves her the food, and they get on the horses and start heading back, because... I don't think they kill too many people. Did they kill anyone? I think they kill everyone but her. Okay, well, they didn't <laughs> kill her. How honorable of them. So they kill the one with a name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did call her cowboy Janeway. I don't know what her name's. You got her name. Patience, I think. Cowboy Janeway. Cowboy Janeway's better. Okay, <laughs> so they're rolling their horses and... At and this point, do they know the Reaper ship is heading back and that's why they've got to take the horses and rush? Yeah. They've, okay. They've gotten that little communique. Um, so they're rushing now. They, they're stealing the horses, and if nothing else has stuck in my mind for the past 15 years, it's rolling your horses onto the spaceship, which they don't actually do. They get off the horses, then go on the spaceship. But, but you get the nice shots of the spaceship flying over the horses and stuff, and you get the very very literal this is a sci-fi western yeah in my mind this whole image is like a, a screen with like a you know diagonal split in half it's western half it's sci-fi yeah what we're doing it's here. a it is an iconic shot and it, it does give the show a flavor that it's is somewhat unique now we have a, a river rock a little bit not like she's going to in the movie but we also get the moment which was the most memorable for me from the uh, the pilot which is when dobson is there there's the whole tent standoff and mal just walks in and shoots him well, I wrote, uh, again, the actor's not Gary Cole, but that's what I thought he looked like. So, I wrote, Gary Cole out like a bitch. Yeah, it, was a, it's a, it is a cool moment. Because, like, they know it's not the most interesting plot that there's this standoff with the Fed. So, Mal just walks in, bang, done. That plot's over. Let's move on with the show. <laughs> yes, and now I'm like, uh, you know, why fracking curse in Chinese? You make your own curse words. Yep. Uh, well, I... <laughs> Again, I can see what they were going for with the Chinese thing, but it just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> we do pass by the fabulous engine room at this time. Which, the engine uh, room's pretty fun. It, you know, you can see stuff moving and doing stuff. Yeah, but it's it's just it's blinged out in like um, university girl style. Yep. Oh yeah, Kaylee's <laughs> room. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, we do have, you know, I, I, I mentioned the Fireflies engine seems to be kind of crap compared to the alliance right it's venting yeah. weird stuff and then the the reaver ship now shows up uh just putting out like all the radiation in the world behind it but again it's because they don't care <laughs> no we, we will meet them in a little more detail later but what do you do when there is a uh mad ship of space zombies trailing you that's not rhetorical. You're supposed to answer that. Is that is the answer of Crazy Ivan? That is the, the answer. Well, before which... that is put all the civilians on the shuttle just in case. Oh, well, yeah, you do that too. Who's a civilian? Everyone's a civilian here. Put the people Every, Well, everyone except from Mao, Zoe, and Wash, I think. Well, and Katie's in the engine room. 
well, they're the crew of the Firefly. Yeah. But, I mean, they're still civilians. Anyway, yes, yes, yes. Uh, nice to mention, we do take, before doing the crazy Ivan, we take the precaution of uh, putting a few people in a, uh, quotation mark, escape pod. But, uh, and you said the crazy Ivan is a real thing. Well, yeah, because I, I don't fully understand what the crazy Ivan in the show was. But <laughs> I looked, I, so I clicked on the Wikipedia link, and it took me to a thing about actual submarine combat and how submarines have a sonar blind spot behind them. And the crazy Ivan is when they would swing around to check if there was, you know, any Ruskies behind them. Okay, I've got it. So they got both engines going, they're flying. Mm -hmm. Cut one out completely, blast the other one as you turn, then you reverse, which does seem like a stupid move to make. But, uh, so, okay, it's a real thing, they do it. Um, I just thought it would be cool if it was like a crazy Rasputin, because that would have ended the universe. I'm always up for Rasputin. And once again, we're lost in the woods with River, I believe. Isn't it so quiet there in the, in the woods? Okay, we're, we're leaving the planet. I'm the song where you had to explain the reference to me before we did the podcast. I like the song. It's, it's cool. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So, uh, they're out of fuel, which I hope they get at the uh, Spaceball service station. Because uh, apparently there were a lot of Spaceballs references before this point, so that could very well be I keep picking them up. Up oh, there go your papers. I bet we all heard that. We're going to have some real wind noises now as well. Right on. So, but really, Serenity's what? One cut above the Spaceballs uh, Winnebago? That's where we're supposed to be, right? It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, below yeah. the Millennium Falcon, right? Yeah, it's a real... Because Millennium Falcon's fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a hunk of crap, but it's the fastest ship in the galaxy. This one looks like a Firefly, and it's better than a Winnebago, so... Uh, I have a quote from, from The Shepherd here saying, uh, is this what the series will be like? I think I might have misquoted him a little bit. He pretty much says that, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why this is a pilot. Why wasn't this the actual pilot? I, that I makes cannot tell you. perfect sense. We introduce the characters. We introduce the plot lines. Let's show it last. We are sitting on the temple steps and had a little interruption because someone wanted to use the temple for its uh, preferred purpose. I'm calling this a semi-abandoned temple, not, a, not an abandoned one. Yeah, unfortunately the bell doesn't work though, so he was a little disappointed. You were too. Yeah, I, wanted, disappoint- I was hoping I could like disappoint ring it yourself. Make jokes. Do it, do it, disappoint yourself. That was nothing. Yeah. I could do better than that, can I? Okay, I think it was a bit. I did slightly better than you. So anyway, it's a pilot. Shepard just told us that. And he's thinking too much. He he probably needs some self actualization. But yeah, it's the only issue with the episode is that it is such a pilot. So making it not the pilot makes no sense. (laughs) Well, that's why the show ended up flopping. Not because it was bad, but because it didn't make any sense in the way they presented it. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, uh, you know what I want to do with Jane here? I want to put him, you know, he had his redneck camo and stuff. At this Mm. point, I want to put him in, like, an Ed Hardy t-shirt. He he seems like that kind of guy. This is too early for Ed Hardy t-shirts, 2002? Probably. When did those show up? I don't know. They kind of no, snuck up on me. I, I never They've totally really been around since the 60s or something, which didn't notice. But uh, we do know that the man simply wants money. Is this, is this a future plot point? I don't recall. Or is it just characterization? I think we glossed over the fact that earlier he was offered money to betray the captain. Yeah. And he hasn't done that. But like any good pilot, we, we got into a bit of tomfoolery, but it wasn't epic. I mean, it was fun, it was good, but it's not the end of the world. I didn't have to pull out my AK. I guess it was a good day, although we did need the uh, revolver. Yes, it was. It put all the pieces in place. We know the characters, mostly for things we've been told, to be fair. Um, and we've got, like, the theme of what the show is going to be like. But, yeah, it was 
a very like you know textbook pilot so I guess we can see where, where Fox did drop the ball on this one and it could have been a little well, smoother of a ride. I, ha I haven't watched the train job yet in this rewatch. So if that also works as a pilot, then they could have maybe just dropped this one entirely. Putting it at the end makes no sense. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Um, I'm a little ahead. Uh, I did watch the train job. I'm going to say this one, I, I like Sarandi. It's, it's a good pilot. Uh, the train job does snap a little more. It's got a little more. Maybe a better episode, snap. but not necessarily a better starting point. This has been Matt. And this has been Luke. Keep it groovy, y'all. I bet train job is the most searched term on Pornhub here in Japan. You want a TJ boy? We'll get to that next time. Matt and Luke Sanctuary is produced by Luke Summerhays and Matt Comages and edited by Matt Comages. Music is from the Groovy Groups on rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. You can contact us at mlsfspod at Twitter or Facebook.